Welcome back, everyone, to the Frustrated Fans, where we're venting frustrations one year at a time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Pete. And today, we're going to do our second annual year in review, or, as I like to call it, a year of frustrations. Well, more frustrations. Yeah. It's been a long year. (laughs) Oh, God. It's been a long road. Uh, we didn't make 26 episodes, unfortunately, but eh, it happens. Huh? We didn't make a full 26 episode, but it happens. Eh, that's all right. Some of our episodes were longer than others, so... Alien Colonial Marines! Ah! ah. Yeah, some things took longer to do than others. Alien Colonial Marines, which had a CODA mini-episode. Our only mini-episode. So far. So far. Yeah, so God, we uh, there's a lot of stuff that came out this year, and a lot of it very late in the year as well. Right. So let's start with movies, because that's probably the best thing to start with. Yep. So I think we both saw a lot of uh, movies this year. Why don't you start us off? And uh, if any of us cross over in movies, we'll both comment at the same time. Okay. Well, I saw Taken 3. That was the first one I saw this year, which... Original Taken, awesome movie. Second Taken, not as good, but hey, it's fun. Third one, this is just them going, screw it, let's be stupid. Yeah, I, I've only seen the first one. I don't even bother with any of the sequels. So. Uh, three is just, I went, so I went into three just going, I'm expecting a fun, dumb action movie, and that's exactly what I got, so I was completely satisfied. Fair enough. The, I, at one point in the movie, a truck overturned, like, a truck overturns, bounces over the car that Liam Neeson is in, and flies over and blocks off three police cars. And I went, I know exactly what type of movie I'm watching, and I love it. <laughs> so I have no complaints for that movie, because it was exactly what I wanted. Uh, then the next movie I saw was Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of people who have made a lot better commentary on this movie, especially the whole Clint Barton having a family thing <laughs> and the whole Black Widow and Hulk. Suffice to say, eh, it's a B minus. Um, uh, and you can tell Joss Whedon was definitely getting probably some of his executive meddling here, but it, it doesn't come up to the first one. No, I, I had like a whole rant about like every little facet of this movie and honestly i just don't have the energy for it anymore i the the next avengers movies the next two are going to be done by the the same writing and directing team that are were responsible for winter soldier which was a good yeah which was a far better movie than this yeah i Uh, definitely agree with you on that yeah so honestly pretty much most of my complaints were centered on joss whedon and so, whatever. Yeah. It it was okay. I, in some ways, it was better than the first one because it actually tried to focus more on every single character as opposed to the first one, which was the Captain America and Iron Man show that happened to feature a few other people. Um, <laughs> and actually, though, that one did give Black Widow more to do than she had been. I honestly don't want to watch this movie again because I... I think it might get worse with repeated viewings. And uh, the last movie I thought I thought of, thought that with was Star Trek Into Darkness. And holy crap, I was right about that one. So well, well, let me put it this way: my biggest disappointment with the movie was Ultron himself. One of the best 
Ultron is best when he's portrayed as cold, emotionless. Um, and this Ultron voiced by James Spader, and I thought Spader did a fine job. I mean, he's got sass behind him, and it almost doesn't work. It was like to- Tony Stark light. Yeah, that's a good way to put but it. This, yeah. Uh, so. so next movie I saw was Jurassic World, which uh-huh. I really enjoyed. It, it had some slow moments. But <laughs> what? what? Did something happen in this movie that didn't yeah. happen in the last three? <laughs> I haven't seen the first one since it was in theaters, and I never saw the sequels. So this was my first real re-exposure to Jurassic Park in a long time. Uh, I... I enjoyed it. I thought a lot of the jokes were fun. I thought some moments were meh. I thought Chris Pratt was fun. Uh, his character was good. And honestly, the, the final portion of it with the T-Rex and the Raptor fighting the Indominus Rex was just great. Yeah, that's and the on- only part I liked. Oh, God. I, 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 I will, I'm honest about this. I would have been perfectly fine if after the Rex gets eaten by the giant, like, sea monster, the raptor and the T-Rex while staring just kind of fist bumped. I would have totally been cool with them fist bumping. That would have been about the emotional level of this movie. Oh, good (laughs) lord. Emotional maturity level, rather. Good lord. I I was not – I was bored with the movie. It it went – is exactly every predictable place you could have seen it go – and it did not do anything new with the series. I mean, say what you want about three. At least they went back to the freaking island and dealt with that. Here, it's like, you, you know why a park isn't going to work. It was called the first movie. <laughs> and ugh, I can't believe I have to even say this. I mean, what kind of woman runs around in heels? The entire movie. <laughs> oh good lord yeah, when does she go to jail for all the people who were killed because <laughs> you know that's coming that's, the, that's what the sequel is is it just a legal <laughs> drama in court because that's what it's law, law and order Jurassic World <laughs> honestly that was I don't care if people oh it's the biggest weekend ever except for Star Wars now it's like I don't care that does not make it a good movie Transformers 2 made tons of money too yeah <laughs> that can be your defense for everything they're like this movie made so much money it's gotta be great Transformers 2 made tons of money so did episode 1 of Star Wars but no one so defends that entire, so did the entire prequel trilogy yeah alright so next one Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F podcast yeah see the podcast in short it's a pile of garbage next up Ant-Man. Actually, Holy crap, this was a nice surprise. This was the sleeper hit. It, it, that, yeah. it was, I'm glad they did, yeah, it made a lot of good decisions, and it was real, actually in the same vein as Guardians of the Galaxy, and hey, I'm, I, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was different, it was very different, you know, it felt like Ocean's Eleven meets Iron Man meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yep. And they've already got a sequel lined up, and Ant-Man is like, supposed to be in Avengers 3, so hey, I'm all for yep. it. Me too. Now, uh, I'm surprised you didn't see Mad Max, but... I never saw the originals. Neither did I, but fortunately, I need to talk about Fury Road here because it lived up to its hype. I'm sorry, this movie was really good, and you honestly didn't need to know anything about the previous three movies to enjoy it. It's it's one long chase movie, and it it is actually really well written. 
does it heavy on plot? No, but you know, if you're just looking for a good popcorn action movie, yeah, witness me. Really good. <laughs> uh, Inside Out was another one I saw uh, on my own on a Sunday morning thing, which is how I actually prefer seeing my movies because it's cheaper. Uh, and uh, you know what? Pixar. This is one of Pixar's most original and decent movies in a while. And considering how many sequels they're getting to in these days, yeah, that says a lot. There was also Spotlight, which is one of the best dramas in a while, so definitely go catch that on DVD to get the chance. Uh, Love the Coopers. <sighs> Stupid but harmless family movie. It's about Christmas. Uh, I did rewatch Halloween 1978, and that was a special case. That was a kind of a Fathom special event showing the original movie in theaters. And, oh, cool. oh, man, that was so much fun to see that on the big screen. And then that just leaves um, Star Wars 7. And no, I will not spoil anything. Yet. We will... I, I wanna say, I'm going to say, what do you think? Two months? Maybe a month before we can start talking about it? Public... Dies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you jerk. Uh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, this is not only a callback to older times... But it r- hits you right in the childhood fandom, hard. But in the best of ways. So that was the movies of this year. Yep. Uh, next up, books. I'll strike so, the lead on here. Um, yep. Transformers Exodus and Exiles by Alex Irvine. <sighs> don't get me wrong. I don't mind EU for a lot of different fandoms out there. I've read a lot of EUs. And we may even want to do a podcast on one of the better EUs someday. But Hasbro, I mean, I know you had trouble keeping continuity between War and Fall of Cybertron and, and the actual excellent Transformers Prime series once you got past your terrible first season. But you added to it with these novels, and <laughs> it's just so like which... it ignores the continuity of both your games and your TV show. So this one's based off of that continuity. Yeah, and it has the arc. I mean, yeah, at the end of the games, the arc is filled with Autobots. By the time this series actually picks up, it's down to a crew of five. So I get things happen in between. But um, wait, is Transformers Prime supposed to be a continuation of those two? It games? is actually yes. Oh wow! Yeah, hmm. it is. But I don't know. It just didn't come off right. I mean, the books were enjoyable for what they were. And Megatron and Optimus Prime are both played really well because the book, the first book, Exodus, is actually Megatron's rise to power, and Optimus is he's right alongside him as his friend, and you see why they they split apart and join and to form the two factions they do. And that part was good. Hmm. The part where we gets weird is that it, the Ark and the Nemesis end up chasing each other over the galaxy, and we we find Rekgar on Junkicon. And Velocitron, a completely different Transformers colony. And does Rekgar still speak in TV? Yes, he does. Yes! But the other junk cons don't. Oh. TV! We talk TV! So, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, Rekgar is still nonsensical as he, as he was previously. I am I am fine with this. I am happy with this. So I'll get to the other books I've covered after our ne- after the next break. Wait a minute. What the hell are you doing? Uh, you ever get the feeling something really, really bad is going to happen? 
only every single time I have to talk to you. So moving on, I actually took this is the first time this year I actually went and read the book version of The Lost World, and it's completely different from the movie. It's the only sequel Michael Crichton has done, and um, I actually liked it better than the movie. I'll say that much. Uh, but it has nothing. Yeah, it, it's it's nothing to do with the movie, and it was actually written around the same time or just after the movie came out. So go figure. I also read the ter- the. Um, I have not to do this one's sequel, but I did read the novelization of the game Star Wars The Force Unleashed by Sean Williams. <laughs> I read it for the podcast, and yeah, just see our podcast on that. It's not the best written book. It's not the best written movie. That's all right. It's not the best made game either. And most recently – I haven't finished it, but it, it's, it is getting – it's opening more of the Phantom and lore. The Five Nights at Freddy's creator um, – hired himself a co-writer and put out an EU book of his own called Five Nights at Freddy's The Silver Eyes. And you know what? It, it's not so bad so far, but it's not exactly a book that's like keeping me up at night with because I'm scared. So, mm-hmm. so that was in the major books I read this year. Uh, yeah, I read... Rereads, anyway. Yeah. I, I reread one book this year and read a new one. I actually reread for the first time since... Um, High school, I reread the book, The Ultimate History of Video Games. Mm-hmm. It's a 600-page book that covers gaming from like the earliest stuff, like Space War and, and even Pinball, all the way up until right before the original Xbox came out. I definitely recommend it to anyone. Uh, the Ultimate History of Video Games by Stephen Kent. Very good book. Um, I also read, was, I had picked up some of the late later Redwall books. I read Doom White. I have no idea what the hell was up with this book. I Brian Jakes must have been in a bad mood when he wrote this book. Holy yeah, I'm looking at your notes. Here. Yeah, holy crap. This thing, it is weird. It's disturbing. Like there's body horror. Like dis- there is literally a character that is there is an old hedgehog that is killed by a swarm of bees, and they describe like its deformed body after it's dead. You know. For kids, yeah, there are char- there are, things are boiled alive in this book. There are characters killed by a cave in. You know, it's, for kids. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was disturbed by this book. So, so what you're saying is Brian was going through his Tarantino phase. I I don't know what he was going through. He was either in a bad mood or just went like, "Oh, you think my books are for kids? Well, check this shit out." <laughs> Fair oh enough. Oh my god, so, yeah, that book was weird. Okay, fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. That leads us to music. Uh, there's not a lot here that's outright new for me. Let me look mm-hmm. at my iTunes here. But the biggest one I want to call attention to are uh, Peter Hollins and Lindsey Sterling. These guys are definitely made it bit. They got their start on YouTube just posting their own videos. One is acapella like with himself he re-records himself a bunch of times and the other is uh she her expertise is violin but she likes to arrange a lot of different music and separate they're good together they are one hell of a musical duo with acapella voice and violin seriously go look up their like their game of thrones their skyrim and their zelda and it's it is 
pure awesome. Her name does sound familiar. I think I've seen articles about her for Zelda, now that I think about it. Yeah. For me, for music, I listen to... I mean, this ties into something I watched this year, which was uh, Red vs. Blue Season 13. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack for this was really good. I, and they hit, like, all types of music in this. They had the song Contact, which was, like, the theme song for the last few seasons. And they put out a brand new version of it that was very well done. As well as the great fight score that was used during the third to last episode of the show. I also found a Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross arrangement album that was put together by Yasunori Mitsuda, who did the compositions for the original games. And holy cow, this thing was amazing. It's re- like remade versions of numerous songs from both of the games, like all the most well-known tracks and... My god, it's good. Uh, it's called Too Far Away Times. Check it out. Uh, and thanks to Game Grumps, I listened to Starbomb, which is their like kind of like video game parody band, and um, the band Ninja Sex Party, which is it's a comedy band, and they're hilarious. And then finally, because No Holds Barred Radio is great for me learning about music, I learned more about Dream Theater and plenty of other bands through them, I discovered and got into the band Baby Metal. This is a Japanese metal slash J-pop group, and it's got a full band, and the main singing is done by these three Japanese girls, and it's all in Jap- like, all the lyrics are in Japanese, but my god, the music in this is just insane. Like, they hit so many cool, like, so many weird things in this stuff. Like, they have, you'll hear them being, like, do this weird, um, like, kind of rap stuff, and then all of a sudden, it goes into, like, the Cookie Monster death metal vocals. Dude, look up. There's a death metal band. Uh, it's more of their what they do with the performance. Anything else, there's a death uh, a metal band out there called Orkoli Dokoli. And they are all... Oh, they are dressed as Ned Flanders, Flanders on stage. Yes! I've heard about them. Yeah. But yeah, oh, God. I haven't listened to any of their stuff, awesome. but... Yeah, I, I've... I saw a little bit about them. That did seem pretty funny. Uh, you got to give props to any band who not only is metal, but manages to <laughs> dress oh, like Ned Flanders. Yeah. What I imagine. <laughs> All right, so that was music. Um, moving on, TV shows slash anime. Let's business. do anime first. Okay. Anime, I rewatched a few this year, and I watched two new anime one of them brand new for the year, the other one just old that I hadn't seen before. Shortly after, I had to watch the ter- horribleness that was Resurrection F, I decided to go back and rewatch my favorite anime, Angelic Lair. Those, my dear, are angels. My god, that show is still amazing, and it is one of those shows where each time I rewatch it, I notice more stuff about it that, I, that makes me love it even more. It is an extremely good show. Um, I also picked up the Hyperdimension Neptunia Blu-ray DVD set, and... <laughs> oh, Neptuna, you're so weak! <laughs> I love it as always. I have one of the quotes from it as my email sound for my phone. I rewatched Midori Days, which is very cute, very funny. And then rewatched two shows I hadn't watched in years... 
I rewatched Cowboy Bebop, which if you have not seen Cowboy Bebop or its movie, they are amazing, and you should feel bad for not watching them yet. They are fantastic. The soundtrack for that show and the movie are amazing. And I also rewatched Chrono Crusade, which I will admit it's not as good as I remember it being back when I first watched it and even rewatched it a couple times. However, the last seven episodes of this show, like, I can't stop when I start watching these. And the final episode has these two massive you-will-friggin'-cry moments. And yes, I did break down again watching the finale of this show. Um, and then new, I watched the Disgaea anime, which was very funny. Um, I'd mainly recommend it if you're a fan of the games. If you haven't played the games, eh, you probably wouldn't appreciate it as much. Uh, and then I watched Tokyo Ghoul. And oh my god, this show is good. It's got this great mixture of horror, character stories, like the characters are very interesting, and uh, the way I've said this to people is this show doesn't have action scenes, like it has action, but it's not two characters like just fighting each other, it's not like Dragon Ball Z where it's, oh I'm holding back because blah blah blah, no, this is every single fight scene in this show outside of one is two characters just trying to friggin' kill each other. It's not, it's not like fight scenes, it's violence. And it's really good, it's really refreshing. The only fight scene in this entire show where one character is toying with two others is because that guy is completely insane. That's the only reason. He's out of his mind and he sees them as just bugs and goes, alright, I can play with you for a couple minutes. And he just taunts them and then leaves. Like, they weren't even there. And speaking of insane, this show's season finale, which I'm really looking forward to the second season, is just straight up insane. The final episode of this is incredible and just left me speechless at the end. And I haven't been left speechless by a final episode of an anime since I think probably Cowboy Bebop, which that was years upon years ago. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist for me. The first run when Ed dies for the first time. Mm. Whoops! Envy, <laughs> Envy just kind of stabbed you, son. <laughs> Ed is killed by his half brother Envy by being stabbed in the stomach. <laughs> yep. Oh wait, that sounds familiar. Oh, never mind. It's probably just going. Eh, I'm probably thinking of something else. Probably. So, so what did you watch? Well, anime. Attack on Titan was boring. I'm sorry, yeah, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but the plot moves glacial. Seriously, I, I mean, yeah, I get why people like the show. It is There is some really awesome moments, but I, I honestly couldn't get into it. A good theme song only goes so far. So. We'll move on to other TV after another break. Ninja Brian. All the kids are listening to dubstep, and we don't have a dubstep song. You know what to do. Dubstep! Nailed it. And we're back. And for the rest of the TV, that wasn't anime. Some of it's still animated, though. Uh, I, as I said, I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan, and for wrestling this year, it's been... Uh, yeah, it's been kind of up. It's had its ups. 
it's had its downs. Uh, on the plus side, it's had Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar is awesome. Because while basically every single thing, every basically everything that comes out of WWE now is based, you know, is scripted. They script all the promos. They try to script and create their own merchandise with catchphrases. Brock Lesnar, on the other hand, in the middle of his WrestleMania match, the camera happened to catch him shouting, "Suplex City, bitch!" And that became a T-shirt and his, and a new part of his character simply because everyone started chanting it shortly afterwards. Because Brock Lesnar is awesome. Um, also on the plus side, the best, the three best matches of the year were women's matches, and they were fantastic. Uh, both of which, all three of which, contained the wrestler Sasha Banks. She is the greatest villain I have ever seen in this company. In her, in the third match, she was having with a uh, another woman, Bailey, who is essentially. Everybody loves her. All the kids love her. And she always has this super fan named Izzy that is there dressed up in all her stuff and cheering her on. Well, during their match, Sasha, because she has to be the villain, she has to make sure the crowd goes against her. Because the crowd is basically split because they love both of them. She grabs a headband off of this little girl, Izzy, gets into the ring and starts spinning around and just flings it to the other side of the arena and gets this little girl crying. And it was not scripted. It just happened that way. And they started, and she started taunting Bailey. She started doing all this stuff. All of a sudden, the entire crowd went, no, screw you. We want Bailey to win. And they all cheered for her. From what I understand, after the match and everything, after the cameras went off, she found the headband, gave it back to her, and, like, they're friends now and everything. But during the match, this was, like, one of the greatest moments I've ever seen. Um... You know what? I'm just going to end on a positive note. Those Sasha Banks and Bailey and Brock Lesnar, best parts of the year. I'm not even going to go into the negative stuff because those were just so awesome. Fair enough. Um, my TV is a little bit more varied. That's not anime, and I don't even watch that much anime. So there's that. Uh, basically, like I said, uh, Nick, I need to talk about Nick's uh, current cartoon of an. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Season 3 end of second half and ended this year. And what a ride. Basically, we started off the year with the boys breaking back into a crime-controlled New York. And d doing what they do best by teaming up with the Mutanimals, which is a secondary mutant team. And kicking the crank back to Dimension X and freeing the city. Oh, so they actually have a B team this time. They do. Uh, it's a B team that's been well established before in the comics. Um, it, never, it didn't see the light of day in the original '80s, as we saw in the previous time we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that B team consisted of a kid and Casey Jones. This this B team is what they call the Mighty Mutanimals, and it's a bunch mm -hmm. of other mutants who act on their own, but often work with the main main four and Splinter. That's cool. Yeah, but this season three finale, and yeah, spoilers for anyone watch it. Basically. Holy crap. Um, they did something none of the original comics had the balls to do. A.K.A. Splinter dies. Not only does he die, he dies murdered by the Shredder. And they're not even in battle against each other. They're actually allies at this point against a greater foe. And Shredder seizes the opportunity to stab him in the back. Huh. Yeah. 
And because Shredder does this, not only do the bigger bad guys win, it's to the cost of the entire Earth gets destroyed. The bigger bad guys being Triceratons they use a black hole generator on the entire Earth. Huh. Yeah. The only ones who survive this are the four turtles, Casey and April, who are saved at the last minute by the Vujitoid alien robot, long story. And season four starts off with they're destroyed, the six of them in mourning, and they real they go basically have to go back in time to prevent it all from happening in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Dang. This series has balls. The original comics <laughs> did kill Splinter off, but they didn't kill him in they they got such a negative fan reaction they had to reverse it because their original cut was Splinter dying of a heart attack just out of, out of the blue. What has the reaction been to it this time? A lot of respect because <laughs> a it's obvious that they're going to reverse it with the whole time travel thing. Yeah. And b you know no one saw it coming. <laughs> like uh, fans, just... I mean a lot of fans were mad that Splinter <laughs> dies and the everyone loses the end of season mm-hmm. three but game but this series is just excellent hey that's one hell of a way to end a season i mean think back to like beast Wars season two right. which ends with megatron blowing up optimus prime's head and almost destroying the timeline well given season two ended with the krang triumphantly invading new york mm-hmm. this it just keeps getting better man nice um well, here what else do i don't want to I don't want to jinx anything. I just want to say, I I hope I haven't seen the show. I probably will eventually get to it. I hope for all the fans of this show that none of these seasons end with a cliffhanger and then the show getting canceled or oh, killed God, off no. prematurely. We don't need another situation like reboot or like what happened with Spider Man Unlimited and stuff like Isn't that. Is it reboot don't, getting a reboot? Ha! Huh, I get it. Uh reboot squared. Yeah, I thought so. I actually never got into that show, and I probably will try when it comes out, so we'll see. It was a good show. Um, what else? Arrow Season 2. I know I'm very behind everybody else on this, and it is getting better. Um, show is definitely becoming more Green Arrow and less Batman trying – or Green Arrow trying to act like Batman. Uh, so, And I have not to catch – but the problem with this show is that there is – there's three other attached shows. Yeah, three other attached shows to this now, with the sharing a shared continuity. There's the Flash, there's Vixen, and there's Legends of Tomorrow, which is a bunch of heroes. Mm-hmm. So, DC is putting their best ducks in a row for TV, but their worst—not necessarily their worst, but not their best for the movies. Yeah, I have to say I haven't seen much on any of these really just like little bits here and there mm-hmm. I did see the promotional image for Legends of Tomorrow and I saw um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl mm-hmm. I have to say the design for their costumes is badass It's those two look awesome well they've got also black and white canary in that show as well there's a white canary? they're sisters yeah. the character kind of gets divided into two, two people for this continuity um hmm. And uh, you've got Firestorm as well. Not only that, but villain-wise, they, not only did they bring in Suicide Squad, they brought in Captain Cold and a fire equivalent. They're doing Killer Frost. They're just doing a lot. I mean, like, what is DC doing building this such cool TV continuity? And then we've got friggin' Doomsday in the new Man of Steel trailer. 
in the in the we threw everybody in we're gonna this is the this is like the jambalaya of dc movies well not only is wonder woman finally getting her doing movies and i'm actually glad about that but it's only again dc is doing too much too soon with its movies because yeah. not only not only is this batman versus superman it's also wonder woman thrown in with doomsday and an aquaman cameo allegedly because, you know, a massive amount of characters works so well for X-Men 3. Yeah. And, the, the, again, this is kind of the problem going back to Age of Ultron. It's like we're almost getting top-heavy. And we're the, even the side characters like Hawkeye and Black Widow had their had were introduced in other movies and not at the 11th hour in the yeah. Avengers movies itself. Whereas Vision um, – Quicksilver Quick and Scarlet Witch are all getting introduced. Last minute. Yeah. So, what else? Uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Rebels. Uh, the Clone Wars ended a couple years ago, and I, I I swore it off at the time. I was like, I didn't want anything to do with that series, and I think I've actually misjudged it. It has. It, that's not to say it doesn't have bad storylines, because it does. But there are some very good ones, too. Uh, Star Wars Rebels picks it up where it le- leaves off, I'll be 20 years later, under the Empire, and the Rebellion start, kind of just getting started. And uh, you know what? It's it's war- I'm warming up to it. Um, it's not bad. What else? Oh, Agents of Shield and Agent Carter. Uh, Agent Carter had her first her first eight episode miniseries, and she's getting a sequel next next year, and that was really good. Agents of Shield is still doing pretty well for itself. Um, yeah, so definitely thumbs up on that. Nazi Mega Weapons. I mean, this is over Netflix, so. I don't know when this came out, but if you have Netflix connection, go watch it because it's actually a really interesting look at World War II and German engineering at the time. Uh, Phineas and Ferb is a cartoon I got introduced to this year, and it's, it's been going for a while, but long before this, and it's actually kind of fun, so not bad for Disney. And I just recently – I haven't caught the newest season, 13, but I also caught up on Red vs. Blue seasons 10 through 12 when they uploaded everything to Netflix. They're all. They're also all up on YouTube. Yes, that too. Yep. So yeah, and considering I'm watching all of this while in grad school, that's impressive. <laughs> well, sometimes you just need to decompress and watch something fun. And then suddenly Splinter gets killed, and I have I'm screaming at my TV. And you're like, I wanted to have fun. <laughs> you killed Splinter. You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> that's like what I was. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was watching the first run of Neptunia and Danganronpa on Hulu, and Danganronpa is about a show is like a murder mystery show with like characters getting brutally killed throughout the whole show, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch uh, Neptunia or Danganronpa first, and then Neptunia because I'm like, I want to end on a good note. So I watched Danganronpa, where it's, it's like the penultimate episode, and it ends on like this big. Like, all right, you know, this final charge, you know, these characters, you know, going to rebel against the uh, evil bear that's been torturing them. It makes sense in context. (laughs) And I was like, oh, cool. Ends on a positive note. Then I watched Neptunia, and it was episode 10 of Neptunia, which ends with, like, a stab in the heart moment. And I'm like, I wanted this to be the fun episode. (laughs) Why did you forsake me? Uh Uh-huh. 
But uh, we're going to get, speaking of Neptunia and games, we're going to be getting, and Danganronpa, we're going to be getting to games after our next break. We're back. And we're getting to video games. Now, like I've yeah. mentioned, I'm kind of in grad school, so I don't have a lot of time to game as I used to anymore. So, we, when we do gaming episodes, I have to time it along breaks, essentially. But what I have gotten into this year, um, before my firm, firm classes began back in January, I did South Park The Stick of Truth. And you know what? If you don't mind South Park, it is a really well-constructed traditional RPG. I'm serious. It is a one of the better ones I've seen in a while. It's short, but not in a bad way. The game only lasts in three in-game days, and but it's it's uh, if you have to pick a class to do because you get a chance of four, you get fighter, mage, thief, and Jew. You know, Cartman. Uh, yeah, I know that yeah. that was the one part of that game I found funny was the Jew class. Oh, do the Jew class because you become a force of I, nature. By the end of the game, I, I did. I did not care for this game. Playing it just—I played it and went. This feels like a bad version of Paper Mario. That's a fair criticism. And, yeah, and I'm not the biggest fan of the Paper Mario games, so yeah, yeah, that's just not the game for me. Well, they're coming out with a sequel based instead of their Lord of the Rings parody. They're going to base it on the superheroes. Yeah, so, the fractured butthole. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, moving on. I did a little bit more of the Five Nights at Freddy's series. I did play through most of the second game. I haven't touched three or four other than watching Let's Plays, so. Well, the Steam sale, the Steam holiday sale is probably starting soon, so you could probably get them for like a dollar each now. I did pick up a game which should be called Masochism, uh, the game, because it's called FTL, Faster Than Light, and it's a very good sci-fi game, but it... It is very hard to beat. Very. Yeah, it's uh, it's what it's been dubbed a roguelike. Basically, extremely difficult, but very satisfying if you can oh, yeah. master. Of course, we both played Aliens, Colonial Marines. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, one, <sighs> one of the major replays I did again during spring break was Star Wars Jedi Academy, which, if you get the chance, do pick up because although it's made by non-canon now by Disney. It's actually a really good game in its own right. One game I hated was The Legend of Korra video game because the controls suck and the play sucks. And yeah, yeah, it sucks. It's a terrible game. Which, which version of it did you did you play the 3DS one PC. or the PC? Oh, okay, that was the one that came out on yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, Scribblenauts Unlimited. It Scribblenauts games are fun. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It is just they're fun games. So yeah, they're neat. Yep. For, I mean, you can only do. I can only stomach so much of them before I have to switch something else. So, uh, and then Broforce, which, as far as as far as I know, is still in beta stage. Oh no, they. I think they actually did a real release oh, did they for do? it. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's cheesy action fun, but it is actually very well programmed action. So, for up to four player online co op, and they base all the playable characters on famous movie movie characters. So you have. You have a Rambo equivalent, you have a Terminator equivalent, you have a Chuck Norris equivalent, you have um, Neo, you have 
Will Smith character from Men in Black, just a bunch of just all this other stuff. So yep, it's it's out of early access. It's now it's now released. It is fun. So so what about you? I know you have a long list to go through. Yeah, well, I played almost every new release this year, with the exceptions of like the new Call of Duty game because. Yeah. Why would I want to play something that's identical to a game I played eight years ago? And yes, I'm saying all the Call of Duty games are the same. If you got a problem with it, suck my ass. Um, <laughs> um, I decided to break it down a little bit this year and go with uh, one of my one of my favorite podcasts is Giant Bombs, uh, Giant Bombcast, where they do their game of the year and come up with some fun um, categories, such as Apology of the Year which 2013 was the funniest because it was almost all three of them were EA games. And so I came up with three different categories, which is worst games of the year, best surprise for me of the year, basically games I I went into thinking I probably wasn't going to like them and ended up really enjoying them, and the how the hell did I not live without these games award, which is the best games. So for stinkers... My two runners-up were Batman Arkham Knight, the PS4 version, mm-hmm. Halo 5 Guardians. Yeah, I need to make a comment about this, even though I didn't play it, too. But go, go ahead and go. F- Do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, the story is bad fan fiction. It still commits the same Halo sin of, well, if you didn't read the 80 billion books we put out, you're not going to understand what the hell is going on or who half these people are. As a books fan, I need to comment, but continue. Yep. And it also now commits a new sin of why didn't you let me play this and just put it in a cutscene? There is the very first mission of the game. It's all about saving Doctor Halsey from these uh, from some of the Covenant. And you get to the point where the guy is like holding her hostage. I'm like, all right, boss battle. No, they kill them all in a quick two like half a minute cutscene. Why was I not allowed to play that? Moreover, the game we're in Halo Two. Where I want to go into is two twofold: the introduction of this new oh, Spart. I guess it's Spartan Fourteen. The other playable character. What's his name? Oh, Locke. Yeah, Locke. Um, and his team. Yeah, the game isn't even Majority Chief. Okay, that's not how a Halo game is made. But because you know that went over so well in Halo Two. Well, that's one even brought up. What you the tr- the twist of playing as the Arbiter in Halo Two, while not the most well received, I actually did like, because it was nice to see a thing from the Covenant point of view. Yeah. But here, oh, I, I actually you... just played Halo Five or Halo Two for the first time this year, all the way through with the remaster, uh-huh. and yeah, I actually liked it. I actually kind of under one, it helped me understand some of the stuff in three a lot more. But yeah, it was kind of cool seeing the Covenant side of it and things like that. Yeah. And so, if you're gonna make a game, disabilities. so if you're gonna make a game about the tactical unit sent to re- retrieve the chief, fine. But the game is the games have always been about Master Chief. So why make him the minority character here? Yeah. Oh, and all the previews for this game, all the promo, all the promotional stuff. That's like it's all about Locke and Master Chief, you know, going head to head. No, it's not. No, they literally have. For I've almost finished the game. I decided not to because I didn't like it. Um, but they had one scene together, and it was all of two minutes. Okay. So the other thing I need to comment is that the fact that they bring the other surviving Spartan twos into the game, and this is from the books. It's like. Okay, you're doing this now, this far and deep into the corner. 
in into the lore. I mean, the, the other Spartan twos are a nice function of the books, but I understand completely why Bungie chose to keep them out of the games. Because ultimately, they're a distraction if you put them in the games. They, it's if we had been building them the entire time, where you get to see Linda, Fred, and Kelly's personality in games, fine. But when you introduce them now, with so many books that have describe their relationships a hell of a lot better behind you and you essentially are giving gamers homework yeah that's bit i i always stand by um a quote from sf debris he's talked about this for star trek generations because the, a lot of the writers were like well we had this scene that didn't make it in the movie that explains this thing and he said you don't get credit for not putting something in the movie because you didn't put it in the movie thank you and that's how I, I like that, and I say that for games. You don't get credit for not putting in the game because you didn't put it in the game. Right. The thing about any kind of expanded universe, and this is true of the Halo books, is that they should not be necessary for the casual enjoyment of the franchise. They're an enhancement at best. Agreed. At like, worst, they're I'm, bad fan I'm, fiction. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with them throwing in little things for the fans that read the books and stuff, like if it's little things here and there, I'm perfectly fine with that. Don't make it a major plot element. Yeah, like, for example, the Transformers Prime series, there are references to both Fall and Fall and War for Cybertron, but they're small. They're just there for the fans, and they do not impact the overall plot of the series. Yep, and I'm going to, I mean, one of my favorite games of the year, I'm going to go into this because it's not material out that was outside of the game, but it was in an extra part of the game that you didn't have to see. I'm going to go into how they did it better than this game did. So my number one worst game of the year... Uh, oh, did you have anything else? No, you I'm wanted? Halo. Okay. Number one worst game of the year, Final Fantasy Type-0 HD for the PS4. What was, what was even... I'm not even... This is the first time hearing of it, so... So Final Fantasy Type-0 is a P it was it was a PSP game okay. that never it never came out in the US. Oh that's and, always a good sign. Yeah. And it so yeah, think about that everyone. A Final Fantasy game that wasn't released in the US. That's already the first sign of trouble. And first of all, I'm not bagging it on it because it was a PSP game. I love the PSP. I will freely admit I actually like my PSP more than the original DS. But this game was a $60 HD re-release of that PSP game with the multiplayer function from that PSP game removed. I don't know why. I actually forgot it had multiplayer until I was reading up on a review of it, and they said, yeah, they took out the multiplayer functionality. And I was like, oh. So, so it's almost like making a GoldenEye remake and making people earn the better weapons through a crappy leveling up system. Oh, mm -hmm. Wait. Wait. Yeah. The the main problem with this game is it as if I played this on the PSP, I might have enjoyed it more because it feels like it was made for more of like a portable setting and also the visuals would have looked way more impressive on the PSP. On the PlayStation 4, no. The backgrounds in this game look like mud. The game and the game itself, it's not even that it starts off bad. No, it actually starts off interesting because this game is rated M. There's violence and like interesting wartime stuff in this game. A chocobo gets shot in the opening cutscene. 
It's pretty brutal. No, then the game turns bad, because after the first couple missions of this game, you realize you have 13 unique characters. All of them have different abilities. They don't get shared XP unless you take them into combat. Oh, Lord. And you need to use all the characters. Because say what you want about a game like Knights of the Old Republic or I think even Final Fantasy VII did this. Like even if you weren't using character actively, they still earned XP, right? Yeah, they just didn't earn as much as the characters in battle, which was fine. I'm fine with stuff like that. So the fact that they changed it from stuff they used to do is weird. Also, there's arbitrary garbage in this game where – if you want to replay missions, which is the only way to grind for extra experience, oh lord! I ran around the hub world of this game trying to find out how you do this. No, it's not in the hub world. You have to exit back to the main menu of the game and pick a separate option to do this. That's why I said it would have felt better as a portable game because that's something that's, oh, I'm turning to get, you don't get to play it in like long sessions, just short bursts. So you would turn it on and quickly do the replay missions from the menu. No, this is a home console release. Why didn't you fix that? You took the time to remove the multiplayer function, which I'm going to assume just sucked anyway, because the rest of this game is crap. But why didn't you fix this too? Oh, and by the way, the demo for Final Fantasy XV that comes with it is a pile of crap too. Just don't even bother. I didn't even know XV was that close to production, honestly. Oh, God. It's been in production forever. At one point, they had this game called Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen in production, and it had nothing to do with Final Fantasy Thirteen, by the way. No, they just renamed that Final Fantasy Fifteen. So it's a game they were already working on. Good lord. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Thirteen was already badly reviewed by a lot of people. Uh, well, I need to dedicate an episode to that one day. Well, you're going to have to do it without me. I'm not playing through I, that, that. No, that's fine. I don't blame you. You can get someone uh, else who's played it to take my spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to more positive things. Truth be told, no one gives a rat's ass about the people on this ship. Anybody out there really wanted them? They could have them. <laughs> All right. I'll take them. <laughs> what, uh, what you mean? I mean I'm going to kill you and take your prisoners. All right, so now some more positive things. I'm moving on to the, holy crap, I actually like this award which is games where I either went into them or hadn't played them yet, but I was like, eh. So number th- one of my runners-up is The Witcher 3 for the, P- the PS4 version. Mm-hmm. Destiny, The Taken King, basically Destiny and its expansion. And then the winner of it, Bloodborne. So this game came from the people who did Demon Souls and the two Dark Souls games. So I almost wrote this game off because I absolutely hated those games. I thought they sucked. I've seen a couple of people say like, oh, Dark Souls is like the modern version of Castlevania. No, it's the modern version of Castlevania 2. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So I decided to actually try Bloodborne, despite the fact that some people had said, like, if you don't like the Souls games, you're probably not going to like this. And that came from, like, Giant Bomb, which I respect some of their opinions. I mean, obviously, everyone's opinion differs. So I tried it, and you know what? I actually really enjoyed it. I've been playing the living hell out of it. I've beaten it three times. (laughs) I actually really like it because the combat, the basic combat is way different from Dark Souls' sluggish, 
block, counter, combat. It's dodge around, shoot a gun to parry someone, and then slash them with like a saw or this big axe. It, it feels more like there's more energy to it. The design of the game is really cool. It's got this great like gothic and mon- like the monster design is really good. You know, they're like these Cthulhu like monsters gripping onto buildings. It's a really cool game. So, like, my only real complaint is once in a while it feels like the game's a little unbalanced. The first boss of the expansion is considered one of the hardest ever in the entire game. So that's kind of a little unfair. But otherwise, yeah, I was really surprised how much I liked this. And now, best of the best. Best. Awesome. Super special awesome games. Runners up. Uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 2, Sister's Generation on the Vita. Hatsune Miku Project Mirai DX, because it's the cutest game I have ever played. It is adorable, and it is fun. And then there's the complete opposite, Corpse Party Blood Drive for the Vita, <laughs> which is one of the darkest games and most violent things. Uh, this is actually what I was talking about earlier from Halo, where they're just like, hey, here's the stuff in the books, go read the books. So, Corpse Party Blood Drive has an event in, like, one of the final chapters of the game where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but, like, it happens, and you can kind of piece together what it, like, what happened, like, what is up with it. However, there's an extra chapter in the game that completely explains and is probably one of the most horrifying moments of the entire franchise, and that's saying something. That's saying something, considering there's a scene in the first game where three little kids are brutally murdered. And this tops that. Not in sheer, ugh, disturbing mode, but you didn't have to look at that extra chapter to understand what happened. Reading and watching that extra chapter definitely helps and sheds whole new light on this character that is involved in that scene, but it's not necessary. And that's good storytelling. Bad storytelling is, here's these characters, they've totally always been there, even though you've never seen them in any of the games before. Or say, like, Final Fantasy XIII, which is, oh, the story is totally in there. It's in all these text dump documents that you have to dig through the menu to find. Who the f*** are these people? What is going on? Why should I care? Can I stop playing now? Please. And yes, that is how most of the story of Final Fantasy XIII is conveyed. Of course it is. (laughs) Yep. And so for my game of the year, I actually had a tie this year. I originally thought I had my top game of the year decided, and then I realized, no, I like another game just as much. Uh, my two favorite games of the year, Disgaea 5, Alliance of Vengeance for the PS4, it is fantastic. This is, gameplay-wise, this is the best in the franchise. The story is something very... it's. Very similar to like the other Disgaea's where they're primarily comedies, but they have a lot more depth than you'd really think that they would have. Uh, like with Disgaea D2 actually having some really good themes about like family and brothers and sisters. This one has such does such a good job of presenting characters. There's one character, Red Magnus, who is essentially acts like the demon version of The Rock. Like, he even uses some of his catchphrases. And he's like, I'm gonna, open, like, I'm gonna whoop all these jabronis and stuff like that. He actually has a good backstory to him and ends up evolving as a character as the game goes. And he's one of my favorites in this. And the other one, 
Usalia, who comes off as like the cutesy character where she has like little bunny ears and she goes plip and she says the word plip at the end of all of her sentences. And she's really cute. She's really funny. And she's voiced actually by the woman who voices Nepgear in Hyperdimension Neptunia. However, she actually has a dark backstory where her world was conquered and her parents were killed. And they go into a lot of it like she's seeking vengeance to try to avenge her parents' death. And it's really good. It's really well done to the point where her story will bring you to tears. I am amazed at what they pulled off with this character, with this game. And I'm not even done with the game yet. And I already think it's one of the best games I've ever played. And it's easily the best PS4 game I've ever played. Just from the initial experience of playing this game, Batman Arkham Knight, I had to go through all this installation garbage just to play it. This game, I popped in the disc, I started playing, and was able to use my save from the demo and keep playing. This game is amazing. And the tie game for it is Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 3 V-Generation for the Vita. Which, I was so happy when this game was announced for a U.S. release. Because it's a remake slash port of Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory for the PS3. And I loved that game. This is how you take a two-year-old game and freshen it up and make it even better. They revamped the combat system, added a lot more depth to it, more tactical feel to it. There's a brand new opening dungeon and a story bit that actually leads into a post-ending story arc with the characters actually pointing out, Neptune even points out, hey, this wasn't in the original game, what's going on here? And they even do a Oculus Rift gag, which is priceless. Speaking of which, there's multiple post-ending story arcs. They all take place chronologically after the ending of the game, None of these were in the original version. These are all brand new for this port. There's a sl- and some of it's DLC. There's a slew of DLC characters who are actually introduced into the game and have a story reason for being in the game. And the- they have cutscenes, and it culminates with all the characters just having a barbecue party with them. Oh, and all the DLC for this game that's not on the actual chip, it's free. It's all free. That's a new thing. Yeah. It's, hey... Here's a really good game with all this great content. Oh, here's a ton of new content for you to use. Oh, have it for free. It's so good. And, of course, the original game is in here. With There's some slight edits and stuff to it because it's a different um, company localizing it now. Um, Idea Factory is now self-localizing all their games. But, oh, my gosh, it's awesome. Is It introduces... My favorite character from a couple of years ago, Pishi, which I love her. And, of course, the ultimate embodiment of the beware the cute ones trope of Plutia, who's like a total ditz and the cloud cuckoo lander of the game. But when she transforms into her CPU form, she becomes a psychotic dominatrix that beats the shit out of everyone. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, my God. Her introduction in the anime was priceless. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone else doesn't like never wants her to transform like and they build up to it too because neptune will be like Claudia, you can transform right and she goes yeah i can and noir who's supposed to be sony is like no 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 don't let her transform please for the love of god don't let her transform <laughs> and then later on she does and it's awesome the music for this game is so good and i have to say 
The only, my only minor, minor complaint is the ending music for this game isn't as good as the originals, in my opinion. But honestly, you can't top the original ending music to Neptunia Victory, because it was essentially a J-pop version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And I'm serious, if you, I've listened to the two songs back to back, they're, they sync up, it is really cool. But it's, huh? Okay then. Yeah. So, I love this game. Both this and Disgaea 5 are the best games of the year. I love Nipponichi. I love Idea Factory. They put out my two favorite games this year. Thank you, both of you, for this. I rock so hard. Best main character ever. Main character! And that's it for games for me. Do we have anything else? I think that's pretty much it. Pete, where can people find us online? We can be found at frustratedpodcast.com as our primary site, but we're also listed on iTunes. Uh, we love people that listen to our episodes. We love downloads even more and subscriptions even even most. Give us a review sometime. We love yep. Or engage with us on social media. So. However, um, what do you want to do next time? Uh, well, I'm, we're well, doing something special next time. We are. We? We're doing our first live podcast in my hometown of St. Louis. Um, see our website for details, uh, but effectively, yeah, we are going to do our first open podcast. I recruited the local Star Trek fan group, and we're going to talk about Ren- the new Star Trek Renegades and the yet – is it still unnamed series? The yet to come? Yeah, they haven't named the new Star Trek show yet. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about what we're going to do for that. Awesome. Well, take care, everyone, and hope you had a fun year, and looking forward to 2016 as well. Yep. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Jason! Jason! I've got you now! <laughs> you guys aren't half bad. Sure, I'll entertain you for a minute or two. 